You identify as a Jewish Assyrian? Yes, Jewish Assyrian, uh, Aramid speaker. So you speak Assyrian, but your religious identity is Jewish. Is Jewish. How many people would you say there are that identify as such or have similar roots as you? One of the reasons I've always loved being a part of the Assyrian podcast is that the diverse stories we feature bust this myth that all Assyrians think, worship, and are the exact same way. We don't all go to the same church. Some of us don't go to a church at all. We don't all ascribe to the same political ideology, be it Assyrian politics or the politics of the countries in which we live. We don't all use a different word for ice and snow, and some of us still don't know how to say kitchen the proper way. None of these things make us less or more Assyrian than someone else. Identities are complicated sometimes, and that is okay. Hey everyone, it's Rhoda, and I'm so glad to be back with you for episode 93 of the Assyrian Podcast. This week's guest is Dr. Yaakov Maus. Although he currently resides in Jerusalem, his parents hail from Zahu and Dehuk. I had a chance to speak to him back in November of 2019 when he visited Detroit and gave a short presentation related to his work and mission, which involves reviving the Assyrian language within the Jewish Assyrian community, establishing an Assyrian embassy in Jerusalem, and building a connection between Assyrian Jews and Assyrian Christians, or otherwise, to aid with the establishment of an independent state for the Assyrians in their motherland. He has created a committee that includes some former guests of the podcasts like Juliana Tamarazi and Dr. Nicholas Algilu and many others to bring about the various goals. In this episode, we talked about his parents' move to Jerusalem and what they sacrificed in the process, social justice and prejudice. We know there are a lot of feelings about this topic and the work that Dr. Yaakov has started. We encourage you to keep thinking about this as you discuss with us and other listeners what you find challenging about this story, but also let the story and others like it challenge you. We should always be wrestling with what it means to be a Syrian and who gets to own that identity and wear it with pride. Before we get into this week's interview, I want to remind you to make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, if you know someone who should be on the podcast and there's a story that we should feature and a voice that should be heard from, please reach out to us. You can find more information about nominating future guests on our website. Lastly, the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. And now, here's Dr. Yako Maus. Welcome to the Assyrian Podcast. Shalom, thank you. This is my honor to be here. You identify as a Jewish Assyrian? Yes, Jewish Assyrian, uh, Aramid speaker. So you speak Assyrian, but your religious identity 
is Jewish. He's Jewish. How many people would you say there are that identify as such or have similar roots as you? Well, in the year of 51, 1951, we came from Iraq about 100,000. And now I think we have a half of million descended of those people. Um, but unfortunately, only 30 to 50,000 able to speak uh, our language. And all of these people currently live in Israel? All of them in Israel. All over. Most of them in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Your parents are from Dohok and Zacho, is that yes. right? My mom came from Zacho and my father from Dohok. You spoke about this a little earlier um, in your talk tonight about why they left. Can you speak more about that? Because I found that to be so fascinating. You know, the Jewish people, when wherever he is, always dream about Jerusalem to get back to Jerusalem. So they dreamed about Jerusalem, but the Iraqi uh, regime helped them to get into Jerusalem because they deported them and they uh, stole the whole property of the Jewish people in Iraq. Houses, money, uh, business, everything. They uh, left Iraq only with the clauses. That's it. <laughs> what is the unifying force that unites the Jewish people? Actually, we are not so unified. And, uh, you know, to maintain the unification, we have to work hard in dialogue between the different uh, sectors. But what unified us is, I think, two um, components. One is the tradition, and the other is the enemy. You need enemy to be unified. It's sad, but this is the reality. Once we are facing war, we're getting more and more unified. When we have a more peaceful day, we are available to to argue, to fight each other. We are pretty normal nation, but it looks unified. Yeah, that makes sense because I think that in the days that followed September 11th, for example, in the United States, Americans sure. were very much unified. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what political party mm -hmm. you belonged to, what part of the country you lived in, you were all unified. And then in, as the years have passed since then, there has been a lot more sure. infighting. So I think that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> what do you think are the historical connections between uh, Jewish Assyrians and Assyrians who are Christians? Before Christianity, we shared the same land and the same language. Once the Christianity uh, rose, we shared the Bible because both of faith based on the Bible. We have the Old Testament, you have the two, the Old and the New. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are well connected uh, by faith. Was there ever a time when uh, Jewish Assyrians were more connected to the Assyrian community at large? Well, uh, by the time, you know, before the time of the um, huge immigration to Israel in the year of 51, I know um, uh, stories from my parents and, you know, the oldest generation that uh, they call Suraya. In our language, every uh, Christian is uh, Suraya. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we had uh, only one model of uh, Christianity. Sure. 
And they had many stories about the relationship with the Suraya, with the Christian in northern Iraq. And with the Muslim as well, and you know, with the Kurds, but the best relationship was with the Assyrian people. Did you grow up speaking Assyrian at home? Did your parents speak Assyrian to you at home? Yes, yes, I grew up. This is actually my mother language. You know, even before the Hebrew, it's like Abraham, the father, he spoke uh, Aramit mm-hmm. before the Hebrew. I think he went to Hebrew school to take some <laughs> classes. And he did well. Yeah, he, he, he did okay. <laughs> when you think about the Old Testament, are there people in the Old Testament, you mentioned Abraham, are there others that you think of that you think, yep, though they are people who spoke Aramaic? Um, I, I, I'm sure that uh, Jacob, the, the father, mm-hmm. actually my name, Yaakov, he went to Aram Naraim, to Bet Narim, and he get married with Rachel and mm-hmm. Leah. So what language he used? Okay. And then uh, some of the prophets like uh, Jeremiah and then uh, other leaders like uh, Daniel, like Ezra. Our Bible is full of Aramaic language, part of our tradition. You know, we call the Hebrew uh, the holy uh, language. But I can show you uh, many Jewish sources that call Aramaic holy language. They mentioned that God talked with the people uh, Aramid. Adam the first spoke Aramid and so on. You know why? Because in the New Testament, we have many, many hints of the Aramid mm. because they translated. It's not, we have no the original text of the New Testament. And when uh, Jesus was on the cross, he prayed to God and say, Eli, Eli, lama shevaktani. So it's a big evidence that, you know what? When the uh, Pope came to Jerusalem five, six, I don't know how many years ago, he met with the Prime Minister Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. So Netanyahu told him that uh, Jesus was a, a Hebrew speaker and the Pope correct him and he said no 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 he was a Aramaic speaker. speaker and there is a video in uh, YouTube huh. you can see it interesting it's funny yeah <laughs> very interesting do you believe that there is a relationship or any parallels between Yahweh and and Ashur as ancient Assyrians Referred to. Maybe by the phenomena, but mm-hmm. uh, according to our tradition, we have only one God. You know, what is monotheism? Mm-hmm. It is one God. So we call our God uh, Elohim, mm-hmm. Adonai, we have Hashem. We have many names mm-hmm. for God. I don't know if there were any relation between the two, but the phenomena is phenomenal. It's not. Sure. Most Assyrians, regardless of what um, Christian sect they belong to, um, Assyrians mm-hmm. who are Christians, they recognize Bawat Ninwaye or rogation of Ninevites. What are the connections between the rogation and the holiday Yom Kippur? Yes, you know, in the middle of the most holy day 
in the Jewish tradition. We are reading the book of Yonah, how he uh, sent my God to uh, Nineveh to save Nineveh. I think it's not by uh, mistake. Our sages put it in the most holy day to emphasize the connection and the responsibility of the Jewish people to other nations, mostly the Assyrian nation. What do you celebrate on Yom Kippur? Well, it's a day of we asking God to forgive us for our sins. Therefore, we are uh, we we fast and we should be sad. But uh, eventually, it's a big celebration. <laughs> we sing and uh, we pray much, but it's a great day. I am curious about. You said you live in Jerusalem, right? Yes. What are some of the holy sites in Jerusalem? that would be of most significance to Assyrians, um, not as Christians, but as Assyrians to, to see? Look, in uh, Jerusalem, at uh, the ancient time, we had uh, the temple, okay? Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is holy for uh, the three monotheistic uh, religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Uh, we have many um, uh, holy sites like, you know, the Holy Sepulchre, the, uh, the grave of uh, Jesus Christ. Millions of people are coming from all over the world to visit this uh, site. It is very significant to, to people, to their faith, okay? Then we have the Kotel, Kotel, the wall, that this is the last fragment of the, um, the temple the Western Wall, and I know many people, uh, you know, Jewish and non-Jewish are coming to the, to the wall, and they put a small, uh, you know, uh, scripts, and they ask something personal, or I don't know, and it is very important, and it's, it's attract many um, Jews and non-Jews from all over the world. Uh, but the Mount of Temple, where the mosque uh, is Al-Aqsa, is uh, pretty close to visitors. You know, it, in, we can visit, but under uh, many, many uh, limitations. Mm-hmm. So it's not so open. But it's a great privilege to live in Jerusalem. I, I love my city, although we have many, many problems. But I love it. I'm proud of my city. When I'm uh, getting um, abroad, people are asking me, uh, where are you from? I always say, from Jerusalem. So prejudice is a real thing, and it exists in Assyrians, just like any other community. Most Assyrians, as we've talked about, are Christians. And even within the Syrians who are Christians, there's so much infighting with what sects they belong to. I'm curious if you faced any prejudice from Assyrians because you speak the same language as them, but your religious faith is completely different. Yes. There is a really very little minority that they criticize me and they suspect me what agenda I have? Why should I uh, try to build uh, a bridge between the Jewish Assyrian and uh, the Christian Assyrian? Mm-hmm. So they wonder, um, you know, 
but some of them are attacking me aggressively. <laughs> but I don't give up. We have uh, a, real, a real common uh, mission, okay? It's to build this bridge and to, to preserve our culture. You started your talk today by reading the story of Joseph looking for his brothers. And I think it was such an earnest and an honest way of saying, I'm looking for my brothers. Mm -hmm. What has it meant to you to connect to the larger Assyrian community? First of all, to share our identity and our culture, and mostly the language. It is extremely important to me to uh, revive the language in the Jewish people. I, I know that the uh, Aramit, Ashuit, whatever you call it, you know, it's a property for the humankind. It's a cultural property for the humankind. It's a very important language. You're not able to understand other semantic languages unless the uh, Aramit Ashuit. And we should take responsibility for that. Otherwise, uh, after our generation, there is a great risk that we, the humanity will uh, lose this uh, language. One of the things that I find so fascinating is identities and how people identify, what names they call themselves. And I think that as an Assyrian, it can sometimes be difficult to describe to other people who we are. Um, you know, we don't have a country, so it's hard to point to a place on a map and say, that's where I'm from. Even though our parents come from various countries, we still speak the same language, and that's confusing. And so sometimes people have turned to their religious identities to describe who they are. Mm -hmm. The terms Iraqi Christian and Chaldean come to mind. Those are all, those are both um, religious identities, but people have been using them to describe a, a national identity. But what I've been thinking about with you is like, is your mere existence qu calls into question some of those yes. identifiers because they ultimately exclude you. They limit who Assyrians can sure. be and they exclude people like you. Mm -hmm. So how do you think being able to speak about who you are can expand our definition of what an Assyrian identity is? Well, I think that the Jewish people is a good uh, example. As I told you before, we are not so unified, but what the main issue that brought us back to the land of Israel and to establish the state was the nationality, not the religion. Because we have a great argument between the different sects in the, in the Jewish nation. We have the ultra-Orthodox, the Orthodox, the liberal, the secular. There is a great argument, but we all believe in one idea, the land of Israel, the people of Israel, the God of Israel, and the Torah of Israel. It's all about Israel, the nation. So it's a good example, I think, for the Assyrian people, how to overcome the differences between the churches, between the faith. Uh, you have great history, and you and, and me, mm -hmm. 
should give respect to this history and to rebuild the nation. We rebuilt, we, the Jewish people, rebuilt the nation after 2,000 years at the exile. You know, before 100 years, if you ask a certain Jew, do you think uh, the Jewish people will build the, um, the state of Israel? Said, it's nonsense. But the, the dream come true. You've talked about the fact that we, what you want to do is revive the Aramite language, the Assyrian language within the Jewish people. Why do you believe it's important to do that? Well, you, you're not able to understand profoundly the Hebrew without the Aramite. An initial part of our cultural life. We use it in the prayer book. We use it when we when we are study Torah, okay? So it is extremely important. But you know, the fact that we get back to, to the land of Israel and we establish a state and we use the Hebrew, somehow the Aramit vanished. Mm. This is the cost of independence. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, it is important for me to revive the Aramit and to let the other generation to use it, and they will decide if it's worth or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wondered about that. In fact, I when I asked you about why your family left mm-hmm. and went back to Israel, I wondered if there was a cost that they paid, which was in order to go back to their land, which is their land, they clung to their Jewish identity, and in some ways they lost something um, in that process. And it feels to me like what you're trying to do is say, okay, great, we wanted a state, and we've achieved that. Now let's go back and try to recover what was lost, and not just recover it, but share it and make it grow Mm -hmm. within this new generation if i if i like to give respect to my parents i have i must to preserve their Mm -hmm. culture they have paid a huge cost or price for uh, their uh, you know immigration from uh, iraq to israel they were very poor the iraqi regime stole their property and israel of the 50s was very, very poor place and government and everything was poor. And we had many wars. So it's a great conclusion. If you're not ready to to pay something, you never will have a state. What has been the hardest part of trying to tell people in the Jewish community that we should we should go back to yeah. learning this language mm-hmm. and this is who we are. Many people are telling me that it's, it is irrelevant to our modern life because mm-hmm. we are dealing with an old or ancient uh, language. This is one. The other uh, thing is that uh, they believe in Israel, the Assyrian uh, Jews, that they are not Assyrian. They are Kurdish. So in every occasion, they are singing uh, Kurdish uh, songs and so on. So it is hard to to change it, but (laughs) I will change it. (laughs) I'm dedicated to this. That's so interesting to me because you played some videos today in your talk, Mm -hmm. and 
they were referring to, to themselves as Kurds and then correcting themselves. Right. But the language they were speaking was the language that I speak, sure. that you speak. Sure. So that's not the Kurdish language. The yes. Kurdish language is completely different. The logic, our logic doesn't work, you know, appropriate always. I have fantastic uh, evidence that we are not good. Mm-hmm. It not always work. <laughs> <laughs> I really want our listeners to get a sense of how completely similar your dialect of Assyrian is to the yeah. way we speak. Mm-hmm. So can you say something in Assyrian? Okay. that's okay, you can switch so, back to English. So, yeah, so I, I did a small research about it, and I said, look, we, we are given respect to our um, mothers in the Jewish uh, tradition, and we should give respect to the Assyrian uh, uh, mothers. And it, it was a big event, you know, historical turn point, because since this uh, ceremony that I in uh, Jerusalem again many uh, supporters from the Assyrian people and from the Jewish people yeah it opened their eyes mm-hmm. both I can see how Assyrians abroad in other places can see their flag represented in Israel and think huh yeah. that's that's the flag that I recognize mm, yes but then you also open up the eyes of the Jewish people to who Assyrians are and the fact that they themselves, even though they call themselves whatever they call themselves, that the language they speak and their roots go back to the same nation. Mm-hmm. One of your goals, as you've talked about, is to establish an Assyrian embassy in Israel. Assyrians don't have a government. Yes. Why do you think this the establishment of an embassy in Israel for Assyrians is a worthy cause? Well, it's symbolic, uh, um, I'm not a diplomatic and not official in uh, the Israeli government, but I think if I um, establish the embassy and I will stick the uh, flags of Israel and Assyria, it would affect the uh, Israeli uh, public opinion and it would affect the the whole world public opinion it's a big issue to open uh, an embassy in Jerusalem although it, it is only symbolic this is initial part of mine to convince the Israeli system that we as a state should support the Assyrian uh, people we should recognize the uh, Assyrian Holocaust, and we should at least de- declaratively to support the establishment of the Assyrian state. And I think we can do it. And we have, uh, as we are a very small nation and very small country, but we have a huge influence on the American administration. Once 
I will change the mind in Israel, I can change through the government the mind of the Americans. And it would be a great step forward. Can we talk about Isaiah 19? Yes, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I want to read those three verses just in case any of our listeners are not familiar with those three verses in Isaiah. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and Assyrians will worship together. In that day, Israel will be the third along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. What is it about the particular prophecy in Isaiah 19, is it 23 to 25? Yeah. What is it about this prophecy that calls you to action? Is there something in it that calls you to action? You know, I'm I'm a professor of uh, Jewish history and philosophy. I give respect to our tradition. The the prophets in the Jewish tradition have great respect. In a sense, more than the Torah the five books and the prophecy is not only to predict the future it is to let the people go at the correct way and they guide us to strengthen the connection with the Assyrian people and the Egyptian uh, people as well so I feel somehow that I'm fulfilling this prophecy and I have the opportunity to do that, and I have the obligation to do that, and I have the privilege to do that. So I'm doing. <laughs> the political climate in the Middle East has, for the lifetime of many young people, <laughs> been nothing but chaos. What do you think needs to happen to fulfill that promise in Isaiah, since those verses seem to speak about mm-hmm. a revival that is a blessing to the earth first chaos is a great opportunity if you had a very stable iraqi regime you can't speak about uh, establishing another state like assyria so i think this is great opportunity and we should take an advantage i don't know how i'm not politician first to get to know each other not the uh, jewish people know the um, Assyrian and vice versa. If you get out, uh, you know, if you ask other Assyrians, do you know if they are Jewish Assyrian? Most of them don't know. So we must let people know that we have well connection between us, cultural, language, and so on. We have to do it. And then, since we have uh, common enemies, we have to, you know, to get together and to defend ourselves. So, um, as I said today before, we are we sharing value and we 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 should work on this value. You said that December first, you are a part of. Or are you hosting this conference? Yes. Yeah, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, you are hosting an international conference of Aramit. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about? what this conference is aiming to do? Well, this is the first uh, conference that I'm uh, running very soon. And the first goal is to raise um, consciousness Mm. to my project and then to recruit 
new people to support my project in Israel. And the third is to let some uh, Assyrian fellows to share it and to let the Israeli fellows to, to see them, to speak with them, to see that this is real. <laughs> Can you tell us about anyone who will be partaking in this conference? From the Assyrian side? Yes. <laughs> or is it a secret? Well, no, it's not a secret. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No secrets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, some fellows will come from uh, Sydney, Australia. One of, one of them is Hermes Shaheen. He's the, I think, vice uh, chairperson of the AOA. Um, Dinche Elia from uh, Inana Project in, from Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, Nicolas uh, Algilu from Turkey, from Istanbul, is a professor of uh, linguistic. He was a former guest of the podcast. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very nice person. And who else? Juliana Timurazi from uh, Chicago. Also a former guest yes, of the podcast. Yes, and I hope uh, Adnan Shamun will uh, share this uh, conference, uh, the one nice. from uh, Toronto. Okay. One of the things I wanted to ask you that's not related to Assyrians is I was looking at the books you've written and it struck me how much you, you seem to speak about social justice. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. It seems to me like you believe that religion or particularly and more pointedly the Jewish religion should be or can be used to achieve social justice sure that's not generally how religions are looked upon so i i'm wondering why you believe that view of religion to be important yeah i tell you what we spoke about the uh, prophecies uh -huh. yes the main idea of the whole all prophets prophets is social justice so uh, isaiah in one of the chapters in his Isaiah book, God say, I don't want your celebrations, I want your heart, I want justice, okay? So this is my guideline mm -hmm. for the life, and we must work very hard to achieve social justice. The same can be said about Jesus. Yes. Go sell our, all your belongings mm -hmm. and give it to the poor. Give it to the poor, yeah. yes. We have listeners all over the world. We have listeners from Australia, Canada, Europe, um, the United States. And one of the, the question we like to close out every interview with is, if you could say one thing to all of our listeners, what would it be? One word, shalom, that's it. What does that word mean to you? Peace, it's interior peace in your soul, and then with your neighbor, and then between nations. Like One that. word, shalom. I like that. Shlama. Shlama. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and for being with pleasure. us. Thanks for tuning in. Real quick, I have a favor to ask before we close out. We appreciate all of the feedback we've received on the podcast thus far. If you could take a minute after this to rate and review us wherever you listen to us, we'd greatly appreciate it. We love reading what you have to say. Thanks again and see you next week.